Sairam dear listeners welcome to today's segment of afternoon satsang following the protocol that we have been following for the past few months this fortnight is the fortnight dedicated to the ramkatha rasavahini the nectar story of lord shri rama as written by our lord sai rama and yet again you know swami does this what a beautiful coincidence it is that tomorrow is shri rama navmi the holy day that is celebrated as the day of birth of lord shri rama and perfectly it has been timed so that we come to our ramkatha satsang dear listeners trust us there can be no greater blessing than to be thinking and speaking and listening about lord shri rama on the eve of lord shri rama's birthday so expressing our gratitude to swami for this beautiful honor we would like to begin as always by listening to the sweet name of lord rama this week there is a slight difference though we are going to listen to an audio that has been specially composed for this occasion by team radio sai it has been rendered by miss vidya and we hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as all of us have enjoyed listening to it and as we listen to it let's get lost in the sweet name of lord shri rama as the song says let us drink in deep in that sweet name the sweet nectarous juice of lord shri rama pibare ramarasam ramarasam rasane pibare ramarasam pibare ramarasam rasane pibare Ram Rasam 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 
beautiful way to start our afternoon satsang dear listeners and that's a special audio for Ram Naomi. Tomorrow is Ram Naomi and as Arvind said it's so wonderful that we are in the middle of this beautiful coincidence and as always it's not coincidences with Swami and before we get on with the satsang that uh, song which you just heard was arranged by our own Anirudh. It was sung by Ms. Vidya, a former student of our Anandpur campus and the flute we should acknowledge very very beautiful very soulfully rendered by Neela Kantin another alumnus who has come back and recorded that for us and the gutam was played by Sainath so a wonderful rendition by all of them and uh, big gratitude to them so with that we begin this week's afternoon satsang as we said 
we are in in the beginning i mean in that point where the war is really be- has become an inevitable uh, occurrence the peace processes is about to fail we are in that point so before we begin that as always we offer our most humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and at the feet of hanuman saram arvind and let's continue with the story where we left it off couple of weeks back saram prem i think uh, we were at that point when uh, angada is in ravana's court and he's trying to knock some sense into ravana's head he's trying to keep he's also trying to keep in mind what rama has said that don't right. be very uh, angry or cruel towards him because he's already in a kind of rage try to calm him down try to make him peaceful to his credit we must say that angada has tried to do his best but seeing ravana's arrogance seeing ravana's impudence angada loses his cool so in that sense he disobeys rama but well he is still in ramakarya so what happens is as ravana goes on i think we covered this in the previous fortnight but ravana goes on relating and regaling about his own exploits how he offered instead of flowers he offered his own heads to lord shiva how he made his own intestines into the veena and played music for shiva how he lifted the kailasa parvat and all his exploits and he's trying to intimidate angada into submitting and into getting humbled or whatever but each time as ravana keeps telling this angada is getting more and more angry and at one point i think he in on sudden fit of anger he thrashes the ground so hard swami writes that ravana is shaken on his throne he almost loses his balance and he's almost about to fall off and in that process all the 10 crowns from his head fall down again you know this is another indication another omen which ravana fails to pay heed to it is very symbolic and metaphorical when the 10 crowns that have been ruling the country roll to the ground and to take the metaphor even further what angada does is amazing he picks up four of those crowns and hurls them with such might that they fly out of the fortress of lanka to the camp the vanara camp that has been laying siege around this fort and they fall at rama's feet giving an indication to rama as to how things are progressing in the court but it also gives an indication to the reader as to what should be our attitude and our uh, approach we should take down the th- uh, the crowns of ego that we wear and think that we are the masters of the world and offer them at the feet of the lord here that is lord rama again another coincidence is this last week we spoke of padasevanam and one of those interpretations that so beautifully swami inspired was that we have to offer ourselves at the feet worship the feet the most glorious things are offered at the feet of the lord and here also not only the glorious thing even an inglorious thing like our ego and pride that makes us feel that we are on top of the world they also should be offered at the feet of the lord so it is no coincidence that we are having back to back satsangs on padasevanam and on shri ramnavami so that is a message i think we can take because that is a message that ravana failed to take in fact seeing this he got very infuriated and i think that is where we concluded he orders that the monkey be bound and before binding it he says just 
pull the monkey off balance because you know angada has shaken ravana off balance it's almost like he wants to take instant revenge he says pull the monkey's leg so that he crashes down and let his skull smash into smithereens with that rage ravana roars in that manner right and that's when actually i mean angra is really really uh, wild at it and actually ravana is walking off after giving that command he's going away into his apartments after giving that mm-hmm. then angada accosts him and you know the words which he uses the way swami has written it you know angada shouts shame on you why all this boast of strength and prowess go dip yourself in the depths of the sea and hold your breath until you die <laughs> woman stealer fool lusted and loud i'll pluck your tongue out of your mouth on the battlefield and throw it as food for crows be warned and when angada shouts like this i mean ravana stays back you know way who's walking behind he stays back and you know he again he says you know lift him and throw him to the ground and let his skull break and that's when meghanatha uh, stands uh, gets up that is indrajit ravana's elder son he gets up and he comes forward to pull angada's feet and make him fall down and that's when he realizes with all his might when he's holding his uh, leg and trying to pull he's not able to move it even 1 inch and then one after the other all these mighty uh, ministers who've been you know beating their chest and trying to uh, you know, join the chorus of ravana's pride and ego they all get up one by one and swami says they try all kinds of grips nothing is of avail and they're not able to move angada's feet even one bit just imagine you know when we think of it angada is though portrayed as one bearing a human body that's how he's portrayed in all the uh, sketches and drawings angada is actually a monkey so if you just imagine a monkey standing before you a monkey might might be what even a fully grown monkey that we see on our streets in puttaparthi maybe about 12 14 kilograms what is its legs power you know though it is gripping the wires and trees and climbing around i don't think it takes any effort to move its leg you know very easy this again highlights the power of the lord you know it's like i'm reminded of this uh, episode that i had read about a girl called agnes mm-hmm. little agnes uh, broke her piggy bank and she had 3 pennies okay and she told in the church that her desire is to make a home where she can take care of orphan children and old people and you know the uh, father there smiles at her laughs actually suppresses his last smile that her and tells agnes you know there's not there's a good dream that you have hold on to it right now you may not be able to do much but hold on to it because you know with three pennies you can't do anything and little agnes you know she looks at the father and says you know with three pennies i know i can't do anything but with three pennies and god there is nothing in this world that i cannot do and you know, that little agnes went on to become mother teresa so that shows the power of god over material resources materially we may have nothing but if god is there on our side there is nothing that can that we cannot achieve that is the lesson that the ramayana gives so powerfully because the greatest demon of the times who had held his tyrannical rule over the three worlds and everybody shuddered in his presence was brought down by who by two human beings and an army of monkeys and bears it is it is such a kind of mockery you know of the strength of evil <laughs> it is really mocking at ravana i feel it is so uh, with a purpose that rama took on the monkeys and bears 
you know he could have definitely sought his brother bharata's help he could have told bharata your sister in law has been kidnapped my wife has been kidnapped come bharata would have brought the whole powerful army trained army of ayodhya at rama's disposal but rama didn't do it i think that's with the purpose that it was done that way to show the power of the lord's grace and the lord's will because even a monkey like angada a monkey's leg is not being shaken by all the rakshasa hordes in fact at that point in time ravana himself you know is shocked how is it that all the brave chieftains and ministers and uh, stalwarts in his court are not able to move angada's foot he decides to come down on his own you know he decide he as as you said he is exiting the darbar hall but he stops he turns and comes around because he decides that i will throw angada down you know otherwise it's too much if it is a mockery of the whole rakshasa clan that is another beautiful moment because as ravana steps closer he bends down and he is about to hold the feet of angada angada withdraws his foot ravana gets a little smile you know on his face he's almost <laughs> thinking like ah finally the monkey got some fear in his heart but all this illusion of the fear that he has created in angada's heart is dissipated and damaged the next moment because what angada says is so it's so beautiful it's fantastic angada says ravana stop these are not the feet that you must hold you must hold the feet of rama hold their feet he is a karuna sagar he is an ocean of compassion he'll shower compassion on you and redeem you you will not get redemption by holding these feet so don't hold it this is such a again beautiful analogy i feel because the mind is often compared as to a monkey the monkey mind it is said and in our ego we are ready to submit at the feet of the mind we are submit submitting ourselves to the whims of the mind not ready to submit ourselves at the feet of the lord and this is a good mind here <laughs> angada is can be compared to a good mind because that is what the good mind does it gives advice saying don't seek my refuge because i am just an instrument who has come to teach you to seek refuge at the feet of the lord i mean i'm just wondering when i was thinking about this episode of angada's uh, food becoming immovable scientifically thinking is <laughs> thinking that you know probably the only way it could have happened is angada becomes so heavy the gravitational pull is so strong that nobody is able to move his feet mm-hmm. and probably a little similar to the you know the tulabaram episode where even that tulsi becomes so heavy just through the name of you know lord krishna hmm. and probably you might want we might think that it's angada is taking the name of rama who is making him so heavy that none of these courtiers are able to move him and to think of it it's the same name ram which when written on the boulders made it float <laughs> <laughs> so you know what is the quality of that name is it that it makes everything heavy or is it that it makes everything light <laughs> it, it, it made Ra, uh, it made uh, hanuman fly hanuman fly across the uh, ocean it made the the rocks float and it also made you know the, the angada become so heavy <laughs> i'm reminded of this little incident uh, again involving uh, dr ravi kumar who is the warden current warden of the brindavan campus see when we say the lord's name is miraculous we say that the lord's name can make you fly across the sky but as you said here it's making holding angada to the ground it can do both opposite it can do both ends of the spectrum the opposites can happen because 
this episode that I'm referring to, it happened during a Thrai session mm-hmm. where the speaker spoke of um, the power of the Lord's name saying, Pangum Langayate Girim. Mukam Karoti Vachalam, Pangum Langayate Girim. Meaning, the Lord's glory is such that He can make the dumb speak and He can make the lame cross the ocean, uh, cross the mountain. And even as the speaker was speaking, Swami looked at Ravi Kumar sir who was seated there and indicated to him that he is the speaker next. So, as he was preparing, again Swami very gently signaled to him and said, opposite ka chappu, <laughs> meaning speak the opposite. So, I was wondering what is the opposite? The speaker had just said, mukam karoti vachalam. The Lord glory is such that even a dumb begins to sp- dumb person begins to speak. Opposite is Vachalam Karoti Mukam, you know. <laughs> and that is when that is exactly what happened. Ravi Kumar sir got up and so beautifully spoke of Vachalam Karoti Mukam, meaning the Lord makes even the most eloquent dumbfounded. <laughs> and all the incidents that sir narrated that day were of such nature where Swami has just dumbfounded people into awe and awe at His glory. So, you see, the Lord can do both. He can make the dumb speak, He can make the eloquent dumb. In the same way, I think, you know, (laughs) Rama's name can make you float, it can make you stick to the ground like you have never done before. Right. But what a scene it it must have been and, you know, it's clearly... Uh, you know, when, when you go through this episode, when you look at Ravana, Ravana is also, I mean, even though he is telling it boastfully, it's all true what he tells about him offering worship to Lord Shiva. All of that was an example of his devotion and uh, we can't discount that or we can't remove that. And it only goes back to that same dialogue between Rama and Mother Sita where Rama says, what is the lesson we are going to put forth to the world through Ravana? Hmm. He said, you cannot have devotion to the Lord co- coexisting with immorality in the same heart. And, you know, that devotion should purify you and if it's not purifying you, then there's something lacking in that devotion. And that is a lesson and it's clearly saying, uh, showing that, you know, here is this devotee of the Lord who has built this impregnable kingdom, who has conquered so much, who is, you know, everybody shudders at the name of Ravana and into his very court a monkey can come and, you know, insult him so much, it's a sign that there is something lacking in his devotion not in his valor, not in his power, not in his strength, there's something which is missing in his devotion because the greatest strength which he had was that devotion and there are some you know holes in that devotion probably Ravana is missing that point all through Uh, as they say, it is just one little worm that goes and rots the whole apple, in the same way, one little hole in our devotion one little hole where we allow our ego to manifest, it can actually bring down the entire edifice of devotion that we have built so far. I think, as you rightly pointed out, this is a lesson that all of us devotees, of whichever God, for us Sai devotees, that we have to beware of. There is nothing, there's nothing to strut about and you know show off the laurels that we have achieved so far in our devotion because in the act of strutting if we allow our ego to come through the whole thing becomes useless because as you said morality and immorality and devotion the wrong path and devotion non-ethical action and devotion cannot coexist together the existence of the one means the non-existence of the other 
so once this happens you know ravana is insulted beyond measure and he just doesn't know what to do he has no face to show anyone she just retires and you know angada returns back angada just returns back with all joy and energy and waiting to fight because it's almost like angada is thrilled that thank god this has failed now we can show this fellow his place you know i don't think that angada would have wanted ravana to accept a peace proposal because the way he gnashes his teeth and says that i will throw your corpse in the ocean so angada returns jubilantly and triumphantly ravana returns to his inner chambers where only his wife is there mandodari and he is in a state of shock he is in a state of depression he is definitely feeling low because how much ever he tries to hide it with his ego i am sure he also knows that his entire kingdom has not been able to subdue one little monkey not once but twice in a row already that is serious cause for concern for him and that is why mandodari comes to him and tries one final attempt at trying to you know make him see the light make him see the right path and adopt the right path right and the news has already reached her about what what has happened with angada and so she starts by you know again reminding him that you know this is really a sign that if there is a battle he is the one who is going to be the loser he is the one who is going to be in the losing side and not only will he lose he is going to you know compromise the lives of all the citizens in the process and she reminds him that and again she you know quotes the history quotes the life of wali she says that this is the son of you know angada wali who was no ordinary uh, king himself i think she does not clearly say that you lost to him but i think uh, the references are all to that you know she is hinting at the the duel with wali which ravana lost and she says that you know it is that wali's son that he has come and you have no idea how many more such uh, heroes are there in that army and they all are there and she says that they've already you know come to that uh, that peak uh, sule sulika is it no 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 Sunila Sunila Sunila, Sunila right. the Sunila peak the Sunila peak she says they've already encamped there and they're surrounding your kingdom she says at least at least now go and take refuge at Rama's feet she again reminds him i think uh, uh, probably in the telugu version if we read we might know what is the context because for the third or fourth time it's coming he is the the one who is killed hiranyaksha in hiranyakashipu uh-huh. probably it's some padyam kind of a thing in in telugu maybe because i think it's the third or fourth time exactly uh, that she is uh, referring to previous avatars of rama avatars of rama she goes travels in time she even you know reminds ravana of akshay kumara the son who has been killed and she also reminds him of this that this fact that you couldn't touch a hair on their bodies that fire that you lit burnt the whole of lanka but it didn't singe even one hair on hanuman's body isn't that isn't that sign enough now also all that you tried you you couldn't touch a hair on angada's body isn't that sign enough and it's uh, interesting because for the first time ravana has no reply to give see that's what happens when you come face to face with truth and that is the reason i think we are encouraged to hold on to truth because after a point in time it doesn't matter what your achievements are it doesn't matter what your oratory skills are it doesn't matter how smart you are what matters is whether you are on the side of truth or not and if you are on the side of truth you might be a humble meek woman staying in the innermost sanctum of the palace 
but you will be able to silence a mighty emperor who has conquered the three worlds also just because you are on the side of truth that's what happens mandodari just says this with all compassion and love and ravana is just silent the previous times you know he tries to mollify her he tries to tell her that you are getting scared all that but now ravana has nothing to say he's face to face with truth and it's almost like he himself can't deny it he is just like they say you know in australia when you try to go and hunt an ostrich mm-hmm. they say what the ostrich does is very strange the ostrich goes and buries its head in the sand <laughs> and thinks that just because i can't see the hunter the hunter also can't see me that is the kind of uh, uh, feeling that ravana is getting now he wants to hide himself in such a manner so that he cannot see what is going to happen to him and he hopes he hopes that he too will not be seen by the enemy that is the kind of plight he is in and that's how he goes to bed that night the next day morning because i think she also reminds him about uh, the swayamvaram of, of sita mother sita where he is not able to lift the bow she says that do you remember that occasion when you could not move the bow which eventually rama lifted and even broke and then she says what happened to your sister you know the way she was uh, uh, treated by rama and lakshmana you could not do anything even she being an ogress could not do anything and, and then the armies came karadushana right and she reminds him of all that including that uh, son who was killed in the battle and all of this and as you said he has no reply i mean this is the first dialogue where he is neither angry nor is he trying to pacify her he silently goes to bed i think the a sense of inevitable doom already is descending on him and i remember we had also mentioned earlier that ravana was actually in search of a woman whom he can kidnap which leads to his doom because right. he was kind of looking for his death so possibly now that wisdom is dawning and he is also thinking yeah i think it's good and we're going to die and no need to you know debate don't know possibly I think, i think it's it's also a you know misplaced sense of confidence because we always uh, we I mean we uh, we kind of praise it when it's in the right right place when people fight against odds and come out victorious when they fight against the impending doom and eventually they become successful like they say you know dar ke aage jeet probably that's the attitude uh, ravana is having you know in his ignorance but there are too uh, way too many signs to have that kind of confidence and with so many signs around you i think if you have that confidence especially when you're in the wrong you know if you're doing the right thing and if you have the confidence i think it's a different thing altogether but when you're doing the wrong thing and this kind of confidence is completely misplaced you know i at the cost of sounding repetitive let me again go to that beautiful analogy that swami gives in the discourses there was this there is this question that is asked as to our faith and self confidence you know opposite they are mm-hmm. clashing against each other if i have faith in the lord then you know one person or also asked how do i teach my balvikas children self confidence if i tell don't depend don't depend on yourself depend completely on the lord so the question is is faith and self confidence uh, clashing with each other swami gives the example of a balloon and the air you know the air filled into a balloon he he what he says is in a slightly different context he says the air all around is consciousness and the air that is filled into the balloon is conscience so the same lord is within you as the conscience so extrapolating that analogy a little further suppose we take faith in the air if, if we take our confidence in the air as faith self confidence is confidence 
in the air within the balloon which also amounts to confidence in god see that is the difference when we say self confidence it is a self with a capital s which denotes the atman or the lord within us we are confident because we are on the path of good and when we are on the path of good we are with the lord and when we are with the lord nothing can touch us so it's not my confidence in my body if angada had confidence in his body do you think he would have been able to stand to the onslaught of the rakshasas same thing with hanuman can a monkey cross an ocean that is what tyagaraja also was it tyagaraja who said kapivara di datu na yeah he sang can a monkey cross an ocean if it is confidence in its own body and mind no way it is possible but hanuman and angada had something higher they had true self confidence which is confidence on the atma rama that becomes self confidence with a capital s the other one is actually ego and pride in disguise that is self confidence with a small s that is what ravana is having and that is why we say that that is not the kind of confidence we should have that is foolishness that is a kind of over confidence because ravana is having confidence in his might and valor and he is opposing the self the capital s self which is the primary basis for self confidence so in that sense i think faith and self confidence are not opposite to each other faith is confidence in the lord who is outside and self confidence is faith in the lord who is within so both are the same things both of them depict confidence in the lord in the power of the lord in the power of the self so in that sense ramana is not having self confidence in the true sense he is having uh, self confidence which is confidence in the lower self which is confidence disguised as ego right absolutely and, and as we've said it many times before goodness and godliness cannot be separated i think the I mean it's it's like resonance you know there is this divinity within and there is the divinity all around and as you saying that the difference between faith and self confidence is that and it it's about resonance with your mind discriminating to choose the right or the wrong and that right is actually always in sync with the divinity within and that divinity within is in sync with the divinity outside and it's in that kind of a resonance which we saw in the case of angada and hanuman that that confidence comes and that faith and confidence is almost inseparable and indistinguishable if i can just summarize this before we take our break ravana believed that might was right and the rest believed that right was might right. where they are right and therefore they are mighty and that is the difference between the two camps and that is the difference because of which they do the kind of actions that they did as we shall see later the next day as ravana wakes up what he does is something really atrocious and shocking because you would have thought that all this would have driven some sense into his head but when there is self confidence with the smallest where there is ego that is dominating actions are bound to be like that but i think we shall take that up after this little break dear listeners we shall meet you on the other side of this break and continue with the interesting and intriguing and actually strange thing that ravana does in response to the situation that has been thrown up in front of him
welcome back dear listeners we are in that part of the story where angada has come and given his very very uh, candid message and he has lost his temper against uh, rama's initial instructions though but he at a point where he thought that there is no way there's going to be any peace talks any further the war is inevitable he gives up and he goes away then ramana goes to mandodri as usual and mandodri also continues in the same uh in you know in the same tone advises him again and again and for as we said first time ravana has no reply ravana has no explanations to give now and now he comes up with this even more sinister plan he goes back swami says that he goes back to his uh, court the next day all the time in his mind the words of angada and mandodri are playing but he comes up with this very very uh, you know typically a demonic plan which he comes up with before we explain to you what it is what this is again uh, uh, an episode in the ramayana which is very of repeated and very of narrated we will listen to it in swami's own voice swami himself explains what what is this plan which ravana comes up with this is from taken from a discourse uh, this is from a discourse which is uh, delivered during the 1996 samakos 25th of may ee samayam lopala na mean time సీతను బాధించడానికి మరింత అధికంగా ప్రయత్నం చేస్తూ వచ్చాడు ఆల్ స్టార్టెడ్ మేకింగ్ ఆల్ ఎఫర్ట్స్ టు పుట్ సీతా విద్యుత్ దిక్కుడు అనేటువంటి వాడిని పిలిచాడు విద్యుత్ దిక్కుడు విద్యుత్ దిక్కుడు అతన్ని పిలిచి నీ మాయలు అందరికీ తెలుసును యూ ఆల్ యువర్ యాక్టివిటీస్ నోన్ మాయవేషధారి అయినటువంటి వాడు ఈ విద్యుత్ దిక్కుడు ఒక్కడే ఆ లంకలో all your deceit is known to everybody you are the only one you have to exhibit all your powers it's time that you should exhibit all your power ramulo vanti sirasne khandinchina techukunra you should behead rama bring his head now ramulu muttadaniki veelu kaadu it's not possible to kaani aa sirasu ramulo vale untundali but the head should be like that of actual rama adani ammulanni kudunu ramulu vale untundali arrows should be avanni chisunachi takshadame sita mundu pettumannadu bring them all and keep them in front of sita sita sirasu chuchindi sita saw this head ramulu kuda velladu chuchite va inta kaalam 10 nelalu ninnu ento prarthinchanu and ravana said you have prayed have you seen all this na maata ne maatram kuda nee vishwasinchaledu you never had any nirantaram rama 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 ani nee chintistu vachavu you have been thinking you rabudu yegate ayinado chudaman cheppinu you see the fate of rama now nammalekapoyindi she couldn't believe kaani aa sirasam chuste baada tattukolekapoyindi but she could not bear the suffering sadness endu cheetulu jodinchindi she with folded hands ravana neevu naaku okka sahayam cheyali rama you should help me rama sirasu ikkada vachindi rama said is here kaani deham akkada untundadi body is there na sirasunu kuda kandinchi aa dehamnu ee sirasunu rendu nee kaalchi veyandi adokku upakaramaina cheyandi annadu take my head and join this head to that body let both of them be born ramunu vadala nenu undalenu i cannot live apart from rama kanaka aa bonda ee bonda rendu cheerchi dhanam cheyalanchandi let the two body na kadapadi korika anindi there is only desire ఈ విధంగా రావణంతో చెప్పి ఏడుస్తున్నటువంటి సమయంలో అంగదు నుంచి వార్త వచ్చింది సో సేయింగ్ వైల్ సీతా వాస్ క్రాయింగ్ త్వరగా నీవు రావాలి యు షుడ్ కమ్ ఇమీడియట్లీ రావణుడు వెళ్లిపోయాడు రావణ లెఫ్ట్ ఈ దృశ్యాన్ని చూచినటువంటి సరమా విభీషణ్ యొక్క భార్య సరమా ఇస్ ది వైఫ్ ఆఫ్ విభీషణ్ అక్కడే ఉంటుంది తల్లి రాముని చంపేటువంటి వాడు ఈ జగత్తులో ఉన్నాడా 
Is there anyone who can kill Rama? Ramu Sriman Narayana Murthy. Rama is God. Idanta Rakshasalu yokka maya. This is all the deceit. Chiyanti anni Ravana daggara anekanga untunnayi. That so many of that sort. Kanaka meer evi baadha padanakkarledu. Chiyamachandra sukhanga untunnadu. సుక్షేమంగా ఉంటున్నాడు రామాయిస్ when i heard this episode when i read this episode is that is you know again a reinforcement of what swami says that by default nothing is good or bad it's all in our drishti it's all in us as to whether a thing becomes good or thing becomes bad the same kind of thing when rama does it it's called maya you know and maya has its place in creation maya is the cause for this entire creation the same maya when ravana utilizes becomes as swami used the word vikruti a kind of a crooked power so see maya the power of illusion is i think neutral without any attribute it takes on the attribute of the person wielding it so when rama wields it it becomes yoga maya divine maya when ravana wields it it becomes terrible dai not daiva daiya maya i mean demonic maya again this you know inspires me to think that irrespective of how our mind or attitude or whatever may be if we associate with god associate with swami it become noble and beautiful just like maya associate with rama becomes yoga maya so to anything of our lives if we get it associated with swami then it becomes divine i think that should be another beautiful and thrilling reminder for us because it puts us all on equal turf it's not as if you are more blessed than me you have got received more than me you we may be up and down at different levels in our own ways depending on our worldly stature worldly nature but once we associate anything with the lord it's like an equalizer everything becomes same so there is no need to dishearten ourselves with comparisons with others all we need to do is associate ourselves our thoughts our words and our deeds with swami and sanctify them and they'll all become noble and divine right and uh, going to the uh, you know the, the subtle ramayana which you spoken about spoken about mother sita she represents uh, she's supposed to represent the mind which is actually filled with wisdom right and probably this episode if you look at it even the mind filled with wisdom sometimes probably gets unsettled hmm. and here is you know somebody like sarama who's coming and giving her the advice and you know, going back to swami's words he would say that you know good company is so important in many ways you know sarama has actually been attracted to mother sita because of her goodness you know it's it's not it is not like you and me going and seeking good company you know that mm. that would be a case of we being neutral or bad going good company but mother sita is her goodness is drawn these people around her and even that can actually sometimes be a moral support to you and when you get unsettled for a sadhaka because i think it's it's very important the mind can play tricks with you 
when when you look at the whole thing as an internal uh, internal ramayana ravana is not an external person ravana represents that mind filled with desires that mind filled with you know selfishness so even that mind which is in you know, wisdom can be unsettled by this uh, desire once in a while and that is why seeking good company is so important i think i mean that's a lesson which we all can learn from this episode probably well put because from if we um, look at what ravana is doing here it is another example of vinashakale viprita buddhi because when you are warned and you are told that you are headed towards imminent danger and you are going to get wiped out at that time instead of moving in the opposite direction you start to head towards the disaster with even greater speed that's exactly what ravana is doing here because when he hears mandodri saying that how many times you have attempted you know to take sita it's not just uh, now you, long back you tried to attend the swayamvara there you you were beaten after that you have kidnapped you kidnapped sita but still you have not got sita sita is as away from you as she was at any time at any other point of time in your life so now ravana thinks that let me why is sita not coming to me sita is not coming to me because she is strongly holding on to rama she is strongly holding on to uh rama right so i will show her that rama is gone what will you do now and that's why he devised the stratagem he calls that vidyut jiva uh, that is the name that uh, our affable uh, translator professor anil kumar was struggling to get because swami quickly mentions vidyut jiva so vidyut jiva is called and he creates out of illusion a head of lord rama the bow and arrow and and ravana goes and throws you know and says here this is the lord you were pining about is gone and as swami says first sita despairs she says you know cut off my head also my life is also not worth living because my rama is gone now i can't burn us and bury us together that's it that's the end of this life and that's where we stopped the discourse clip but uh, in the ramkatha as we read sita suddenly has an epiphany she says can anyone actually destroy rama is rama just a man the way ravana is seeing him or the way world is seeing him rama is the supreme ultimate rama is the creator of the universe nothing can ever touch rama and when she it is you know though sarama comes and gives her assurance and reassurance sita's this inner thought process already begun and it is this thought that rama is not just the person that everybody thinks he is rama is the ultimate rana rama is the universal reality it is these kind of lofty thoughts that holds uh, sita in good stead and gives her courage i found this very very particularly relevant to our situation today you know because when we are coming close to that day the aradhana mahotsavam day when swami left the physical i think we all went through the same kind of emotions that sita went through in those few moments and possibly sita overcame it in a few moments we have taken months and years and many of us have not yet recovered but i think that is the thought we should think is swami just this body is swami restricted by things of the world that restrict that restrict no swami is something beyond swami is there in every atom swami is there in every hair swami is there everywhere i think when we get that kind of realization that sita got that is the wisdom that is the wisdom dawning sita is supposed to stand for wisdom i think when we get that wisdom dawning on us 
that is when we will be courageous and in spite of all the nonsense that is going on around in spite of all the rubbish that goes on around in spite of all the depressing and saddening things happening around we will be able to stand courageous with a smile on our face because we know that swami is not something that is just restricted by anything of the world swami is beyond everything swami is a universal reality swami is the all pervasive omnipotent omniscient omnipresent one and nothing can change that truth once we are steeped in that truth i think we will be very confident and sure of ourselves just the way sita was that she could tell she could even uh, tell ravana on his face I think uh, again she doesn't address Ravana directly she addresses looking at a blade of grass that is what Swami had said but even as she is doing it what happens again is very interesting because they are able to hear the jai jai cars Prabhu jai Shri Ram Ram Chandra ki jai they are able to hear the hordes of Vanara shouting the slogan of victory and Ravana has to hurry back to you know save his own back again I feel that is not coincidental. when we are able to stand up with that courage and confidence that with that faith that our lord is beyond is not just this automatically even the universe conspires the world also conspires to give us hints and messages that show us that yeah don't worry your rama your lord is with you that's exactly what happens here the moment sita gets back her confidence and faith thinking of rama as the supreme one she is able to hear the vanara shout jai shri ram jai shri ram so too when we are able to hold on to that faith we will definitely be able to see the lord in each and every moment of our day in each and every mo- act that we do in the day and because uh, what we have said is really beautiful and it's really very very pertinent because very clearly swami says you know it is not the I mean, it is not the faith in Rama's valor or Rama's personality that that uh, reassures Sita. It is this belief that you know how can it happen that Ravana can you know get away, I mean, kill Ra- Rama, and you know that that recollection of who Rama really is is what actually gives her that peace. And I mean, very very aptly said that that's precisely how we have to look at you know our pain towards and when we feel Swami's absence or when we are troubled by any of those thoughts. Uh, another beautiful point which comes out here is you know even when her faith is shaken let's say for a moment that sita believed it what was her response you know she did not say that all right I mean, i've not got my rama what's the next you know, comfortable next comfortable <laughs> option available she said you know my lord or no life you I know mean, that was that was how clear she was you know you made a reference to that other woman who supposedly the the previous birth of mother sita whom rama ravana tries to uh, you know who's who's uh, modesty ravana tries to uh, take, away. take away and she she gets he gets cursed that's the same thing you know when uh, i think what's what's her name uh, i forgot the name of that uh, sita in her previous right. birth right huh. okay that woman i mean she, she also does the same thing when ravana comes and pulls her hand she self immolates herself she uses her uh, you know yogic, yogic powers. powers and immolates herself and reminded of a very beautiful story once one of my uh, you know seniors had narrated once i'm absolutely sure you've narrated this before in our program but nevertheless you know he he used to say when you choose god how do you choose god you know there is the story of a uh, uh, a king who is a very powerful conqueror who's conquered many kingdoms and there is apparently one island kingdom like probably like lanka 
nobody has uh, conquered this island kingdom because you know the fortress for this kingdom is the sea around the you know the island so one day he decided that i'm going to take my army there and i'm going to kill it so no other kingdom actually has a navy because you you need a navy you don't need you know a army which is good only at, at on, the land, uh, right? on the land so he trains his army to go and fight and he builds huge ships so finally a huge fleet of you know this king's navy lands up in the shores of this kingdom and the moment he lands there the first order this king's this king gives his army men is burn all the ships okay they're all surprised they said you know there is no way you're going to get away from here if you're going to be uh, you know if you want to run away there's no way you'll escape if you're going to burn all your ships and the king says no that's not how we fight a battle either we win and we rule here or we perish and we die there is no going back Mm. and you know this senior who was telling he says when you want god you have to want god like that you can't say that i want god okay if i don't get swami what's the next option do i go and settle abroad do i go and you know take up this job no either swami i get you or you know that's the end of it there is no after that if not there is no second option there is no plan b and i think that's precisely what mother sita is telling that all right if this is the reality if rama has really been killed then take my head also and bury it together that's that's really a sign of a true devotee in fact in a poem i'm not getting that on patudala patudala meaning determination right swami would beautifully quote it in flowing telugu would say that i am just giving the translation here where swami would say that determination is that which makes you hold on to the object in such a manner that either you get your object or you fall you collapse in exhaustion at your effort in trying to get that object that's all it is there is no other option for a person who is truly determined these are the only two options either you achieve your target or uh, your object of desire or you collapse in your efforts you collapse by just making the effort to get that object and of course whenever swami would say this uh, beautiful poem in telugu he would always refer to that such determination is uh, worthwhile only when you pursue the lord no other object deserves in fact, swami ends that patyam by saying that if i'm not wrong tirigi povatam bhakta diksha kadu swami says ah. it's not a sign of a devotee to turn back to turn back i'm mean, clearly saying that it is in pursuit of the lord in pursuit of the lord and right. he wouldn't have used the word bhakti right. bhakta so that is the uh, those are the beautiful lessons the, that is that is why I, i say that we all have to read swami's ramkatha so slowly because swami has emphasized on parts of the ramayana which other authors haven't which valmiki hasn't which uh, kamban or which tulsidas haven't they have not they have written it in one style depending from their perspective this as we say is the autobiographical perspective and swami is using his own life to highlight things that will help us the most in our lives he is not you know like what happens is when you are tulsidas tulsidas is a devotee of rama it's almost like being a fan of the lord and therefore you will see that you will become fans of the true fans of the lord also in the sense <laughs> tulsidas is glowing in the tributes that he pays to hanuman yeah. he is glowing in his tributes that he plays to uh, pays to jatayu so on and you know if you read the ramayana you will if you read those ramayana you will also see that not only is the lord glorified 
anyone who is close to the lord is also glorified but but in swami's ramayana it's not that swami doesn't glorify people but whatever is glorified it's all done with the endeavor of helping us in our lives you know that is so beautiful it it touched me to the core of my heart that whatever swami has done in his life you know whatever he does he has done in his physical life have been purely selfless only to help others you know in the sense that when kamban i'm just assuming when kamban writes the ramayana tulsidas has written ramayana i'm sure they themselves were benefited by the ramayana as much as anybody else who hears the ramayana but in swami's case he is just re- reliving his autobiography and giving only those portions more importance from which we can learn and benefit such has been the selfless nature of his love and i mean going by the same thing you know the perspective with which it was written reminded the uh, sarprakash used to tell us that when he was in the primary school they uh, swami had asked them to chant the bhagavad gita certain verses and swami would uh, you know encourage them to chant only the 12th chapter Mm-hmm. and 12 chapters we know is bhakti yoga, bhakti yoga huh. especially those verses where you know krishna says that this is the quality i like in a devotee this is the quality of a devotee which i i uh, you know which is dear to me mm. i'm not uh, uh, very conversant with that it's a, it's a series of lines which says you know this is the quality of a devotee this is the quality of a devotee emat bhakta bhakta mame right you know this is the quality which is dear to me and i think that is what comes out in swami's ramakatha too right uh, if i just i'm just getting some flashes of remembrance i think it's anapeksha shuchit daksha it right, goes on like it's a, it's a entire without expectation uh, cleanliness right. and all these and huh? these are the qualities which are dear to me uh-huh. now every verse ends with that these Correct. are the qualities in devotee which is dear to me hmm. i think when you, you read ramakatha rasmani i think it is like that just like how you said tulsidas probably is uh, you know becoming the dasa of a dasa that's what you mean purandar dasa writes right hmm oh, no 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 that is another okay, poet yes right. that i would like to be the dasa of the dasa of the dasa right. of you because that is that is a feeling which will always come like just like how we narrate any incident of swami we we kind of end up glorifying the devotee as much as we do glorify the lord it happens all the while in radio sai right it happens all the time yeah and in fact that leads to confusions also where people equate devotees as equal to the lord and leads to confusion in the minds as it's happening in some parts of the world today right, absolutely but when swami writes the ramakatha rasmani i think it is written in that idea that you know these are the qualities which are dear to me every time he emphasizes when he speaks about you know even that contrast when he spoke about sugriva when he spoke about hanuman the way swami writes hanuman's reaction to pri- i mean to praise hanuman's reaction when he is you know ridiculed each of this swami is highlighting what are those qualities in a devotee which i like you know that's what i'm highlighting that's what i'm you know trying to lay emphasis on so that you, you might learn and that's precisely this episode is again that what is that quality of mother sita which swami is trying to portray so powerfully for all of us so now ravana has rushed back because he heard the uh, uh, cries and shouts of the vanaras what is happening on the other side of the camp we will get to know on the other side of this little break dear listeners don't go anywhere we will come back to that after this break
राम शुभ As we said, the episode where Ravana tries to cheat Sita with uh, a fake head of Rama, trying to convince her that she is already uh, Ravana has already vanquished Rama, has failed. We spoke about the interaction between Angada and uh, Ravana, and from Angada, Ang- uh, Ravana's court, 
Angada goes straight to Rama and reports and narrates whatever has happened in the court and that's when Rama decides that there is no point in trying to have you know peace talks anymore it's time for the war so the battle formations are drawn nala is put in charge of the army that is attacking the fort from the eastern side from the southern side it's angada leading the millions and millions of vanaras from the west it is hanuman who is leading the attack and from the north that is the side where they have actually landed uh, you know when they cross over the ocean using the bridge they land on the north of lanka right. so that is the area that is being apparently guarded by ravana himself so from the north the armies are being led by rama himself so the battle royal begins and the next few paragraphs in the ramkatha rasavahini swami describes the war of how the vanara hordes are thrashing the demonic forces and there is nothing that the demons seem to be able to do they are hurling boulders and other things from inside the fort but the vanaras are catching it and throwing it back at them they are overwhelming them with their sheer number with their sheer strength with their sheer exuberance with their sheer confidence and all of that is because of the fact that rama is backing them right and of course going back to that numbers which swami told can only imagine what a savage battle it was because you know mm. Swami is saying millions billions billions on this side and billions on that side mm. you know that's the kind of war and I think from the description it doesn't suggest that the Vanadas were using any weapons because all of them you know, <laughs> at some places Swami gives a very graphic description of how the battle goes on Swami says that the monkeys pounce on the rakshasas they bite them and they kind of pluck their heads off <laughs> with their uh, nails and their in, in their fingers and it's really striking terror in the camp of the rakshasas themselves you know when we speak about rakshasas we're talking about demons and we're talking about people who don't uh, you know who don't hesitate to indulge in any kind of atrocity and to to strike terror in their hearts to strike terror in their camp and you we can only imagine how savage the battle was from this end i think that is the difference between a truly strong person and a weak person actually prem because a person who strikes terror on others who inflicts cruelty on others uh, seems to appear brave that's what even in our movies you will see uh, the so called villains the top shots who are calling the shots and who are doing all the very cruel things they seem to have no heart so no heart so no fear they seem to be very strong but in when it actually comes to their own life at stake they run like pussy cats that's what we see even happening in the movies you know they run they run and they try to hide they uh, that's what is happening here also on the other hand the people who are apparently subjected to the cruelty they are the ones who are truly brave they are able to stand up in the face of adversity they are able to stand up in the you know face of difficult times and not run not retreat so in that sense uh, rakshasas actually are very very weak and again that is another message to all of us that who is a rakshasa rakshasa is one who uh, encourages anger jealousy envy pride lust in himself and therefore fear the message that i think we can get from here is these qualities the six vices kama krodha lobha moha madha matsarya they actually make you very weak you may fool yourself into thinking you are strong and you may 
think that by expressing these six virtues that is kama desire expressing krodha your anger it may make you um, feel in a illusory manner that you are strong but actually you are not that's why you know they say also a person who doesn't lose his anger is actually the stronger one though the one who loses anger will on the face of it appear strong because he is the one who is shouting the words who is exp- you know expelling a lot of energy but as swami said in his discourse one bout of intense anger makes you lose 3 months of nutrition that you have received from food that is the amount of weakening that happens so the person who gets angry is actually the weaker one the person who doesn't get angry is the stronger one so in the same way you know we can learn from these rakshasas that the more that we submit to the vices the weaker we get and the more that we stand against these vices and don't fall prey to it the stronger we are that is why an army of monkeys is able to beat a well equipped and well trained army of rakshasas the other thing which struck me even when i was reading this part you know where swami very elaborately says how how was the planning who were the generals who were in charge of the north who were the generals who were attacking from the west we mm. it only goes to say that even when you know the even when the lord is the head of your army he doesn't discount the effort of planning and you know what has to be done especially you know for all of us who do swami's work or who, who claim to work under swami's banner in any form you know in the hospital in the organization whether you planning something on behalf of the center or samiti these details are actually part of the planning I mean, even when you're doing it with with in the name of swami and even when there is confidence that swami will take care even when you know that it's finally i'm not the doer swami is the doer that doesn't discount you from doing all these things which are supposed to be done in the right detail and with the right uh, you know sincerity and earnestness one of our teachers had said that professionalism is the first step in spirituality so <laughs> you you can't uh, be unprofessional and say that you know i don't care i am i am devotee of the lord it's not like that you can't be lackadaisical in your workplace and say that i was doing ramanama i was chanting ramanama i was doing namaskarana i don't think swami also ever encouraged it that's why even when we were doing that satsang on namaskarana we recalled the story of that farmer who would diligently do his activities and just twice in a day think of the name of narayana and the lord was happy compared to even narada who 24 hours in a day is chanting the lord's name so as you rightly said we can't forego we can't you know swami said karma falatyaga give up the result of the activity swami never said give up activity itself we can't give up activity and when we do the activity we have to do it with all the thoroughness and all the professionalism all the sincerity because yoga karma sukaushalam we have to do it like how they planned it out and they did the attack and with this attack as the rakshasas are reeling under the onslaught and they are retreating and even as they are retreating ravana gets wild and does something that you know later on when i have read in modern wars also okay some of the most cruel dictators mm-hmm. who have indulged in war have done exactly this if your own even though it's your own people who are retreating just because they are retreating you get angry on them and you kill them oh. you know that's what ravana starts doing here whoever of the rakshasa is retreating meet death at his hands so instead of fighting the 
forces of Rama, what Ravana is doing is standing and ensuring that nobody is retreating. Because if anybody retreats, he puts them to death. So they have to meet death at the hands of Ravana or at the hands of Rama's forces. And many of the Rakshasas choose to die at Rama's hands at least, thinking that at least we are dying at some noble hand, we are dying in war. In the meanwhile, the women and children are rushing and they are, you know, blaming Ravana for this entire misfortune. Some of the women are also cursing him, saying that this is what you have done. And so it is negativity from all sides pouring in onto Ravana. Of course, I don't know whether it's in context, but, uh, you know, during the independence time, you know, when uh, India got its independence, there was Mm -hmm. a lot of debate about this because uh, India inherited an army, which was a British army, actually. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, till 1947, 15th August, what was the Indian army was actually the British army, which was, you know, under the command of the British rule. And when you become an Indian uh, Indian nation, you actually get the army which was still till that point of time working for the crown. Hmm. Right? You're getting a police force which till then was actually you know uh, probably keeping your freedom fighters in check. Hmm. Now they're becoming the police force of the nation. Hmm. So at that time, of course, you know there was this uh, thing of they were actually just a well-trained men, well-trained army men and you know it was not about whether they're patriotic or non-patriotic or whether they're nationalistic or not they're just a trained army the same way if you go to uh, the stories of the Sikh gurus there was that uh, very famous I don't know what's exactly that uh, quote where the army of Guru Gobind Singh used to say that each Sikh is equivalent to a lakh uh, other warriors you know that that's what they would say because their their fieriness in battle came from their you know devotion to their master because they mm. felt that we are fighting for the sake of the guru and that kind of you know made them so very strong that a army of about a lakh were able to defeat armies of crores i think that's that's precisely what is the difference between you know the army of rama and the army of uh, uh, ravana here because i am sure that i think 50-60% of Ravana's army would have been fighting against Rama's army out of fear of Ravana rather than out of, you know, let's fight for love Ravana. For Ravana or, uh, huh? Love for Lanka or, you know, out of uh, their devotion to Ravana. Hmm. But here the the monkey army, as Swami said, is describing it here, they were not armed, they did not have bows in their hand, they did not have swords in their hand, but just that devotion to Rama. And Swami says they don't even have those uh, drum rolls like armies have. Hmm. Only the chant of Ram, 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 Swami says that is reverberating from the uh, Vanara army, which is striking terror in uh, Ravana's army. And uh, thus, the first day of war is a comprehensive victory for Rama's side. The Rakshasas are being beaten and thrashed, but they are still holding on to a hope because it is said that the Rakshasa power increases at night. And again, I feel this has so much of uh, metaphorical ramifications that it would not be uh, doing justice to this if we take it up right now. Since the time in our studio is almost 1.55, it's time to conclude. I think we will leave our readers at this, our listeners at this point where the Rakshasa hordes of Ravana are hoping to make a comeback at night because night is a time when the strength increases and everywhere we read this is the same Rakshasa's forces power increases at night they become very powerful at night so they are thinking that whatever setbacks we have suffered during the day when the monkeys are sleeping that they will naturally feel drowsy and sleepy when they do when they feel so at night 
we our powers increase also at the at that time so we will use that to thrash them they actually succeed to a certain extent also but how far they succeed why they begin to fail and what is the counter that happens i think all that we shall take up when we uh, sit for this beautiful satsang again next week next thursday and continue the story where we left off and before we conclude this week's episode dear listeners a very happy new year to all of those who are from tamil nadu from kerala from bengal from nepal apparently and i think even from uh, odisha if not today i think yesterday a lot of them had those i think baisakhi was yesterday yes baisakhi the 13th right. mm. so our hearty wishes to all of you for all all of you who are celebrating new year on behalf of all of us at radio sai we're going to leave you with a song as always on the other side of it you will have the segment love to love thank you jai saina Oh, yeah.